The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. And today we're going to have a lot of fun. I could tell already because David Hall, who's the CEO and head of NeuroGuides, and himself is on the spectrum, and who's about 10 times smarter than me, that's who we're interviewing today. So, David, introduce yourself much better than I did. Thank you, Hacky. Where to start with that? Um, so, I'm, yeah, you're right. I'm David Hall. I'm founder and CEO of Life Guides for Autistics, NeuroGuides. And uh, I've had my organization founded for about two years now, and we serve autistic adults. Uh, I'm delighted to be able to be here uh, on this show today and talk to Hacky. Uh, when he reached out to me originally, he said, David, you think like we do, and that is important. And so I'm delighted to, uh, to share uh, unique minds on different minds today. Well, what I love about NeuroGuides and what you're doing and everything in your statements is you're looking for positive tools what can we do to help? What are we doing? What are our strengths? Where are we going here? Not, yes, a, not a bunch of whining and this and that. What are we, Now, how did you get into this? The journey has been very interesting. About, um, so I have three, three children of my own, all diagnosed on, this, on the autism spectrum, uh, Aspies, uh, all beautiful souls. You know, I, I, uh, I remember this uh, sort of uh, shock to my system about 17 years ago when my first, uh, my oldest, uh, was sitting in his bouncy seat, screaming and shrieking at the whole world because every time a light would come on, every time a car would drive by, something was setting him off and this child could not be consoled by any traditional means. So I remember doing my research to find out what it was. I, you know, I heard all the uh, old uh, wives' tale. This is a colicky baby and all this. So I remember going out, and I was in a bookstore, and I'm looking up uh, what could possibly be wrong, and I'm looking through other, every book there is, and I've read lots and lots and lots of books. But someone walked up to me in the store, and they said, uh, what are you looking for? And I told them, and they said, have you heard of something called autism? And I said, I have never heard of something called autism. What would that be? And they said, let me hand you a book. So they got a book called The Sensory Sensitive Child. I don't know if you know that one, Hacky. So I opened it up and I'm starting to read these things. And I literally in the store, stepped back and shouted, that's it, that's it, I get it now. And from that moment on, everything began to change. Uh, the way I began to view my children, uh, the way I began to understand, I will confess at first, I, I, was, I fell prey to the deficit model thinking, which, you, I mean, you know this, deficit model thinking. Now, deficit model thinking helps us in the medical field because we look for broken things, broken bones, broken this, broken. But when it comes to seeing neurodivergent people, autistic people, deficit model thinking is very painful and very wrong. Uh, 
because it, it's the first step to closing the door to seeing unique minds. And so uh, I began this journey, this discovery process of moving through all of that, uh, a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of miscommunication, a lot of bad information. And I began gaining footholds to understanding uh, neurodivergent thinkers, neurodiversity, uh, the beauty of unique minds. I read books uh, by Gary, uh, Barry Prisant, The Uniquely Human. My big turning point book to read was my friend Steve Silberman and his book, uh, Neurotribes. That really opened my mind up. Um, so, Hacky, it's been a journey for me. It's been a journey. For our differentbrains.org audience, um, when they go on NeuroGuides on your website, what do they find and what do they do? Like, um, say I'm a parent and I have yes. a kid, or say I'm a neurodivergent uh, 18-year-old. What do I do? So that website has been completely redesigned in the last uh, three or four months. And I'm delighted with the people, uh, as you said, way smarter than I. The people who are way smarter than I at doing social media things came along and redesigned it. And they told me, they said, your message is very unique. It's very powerful, profound, but you're not telling it right. So what they did, if you go to our website at neuroguides.org, the first thing you see is a statement, and I'm doing this from memory, but it said, uh, for autistic persons, by autistic persons, we are, we are an organization reaching out to equip, engage, and encourage, something like that. But it's, it's that statement that um, for autistic persons, by autistic persons, and, and heck, as you may know, the very first thing I did when I founded my 501c3 nonprofit organization was I sought out autistic persons to be on my board of directors. It's the very first thought I had. It, to me, why would, we, why would we have an organization dedicated to serving autistic adults and exclude autistic adults from being the very leadership impetus and input for doing that? It didn't make any sense to me. So I thought, I have to start out with autistic persons on my board. So everything we're doing is autistic directed. It's for autistic adults. Um, and that's the way we see things. And as you know, I have had undergone my own personal journey in, in discovery about my own self on the spectrum in the last few months. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. Surprise, surprise. So about uh, four months ago, I had uh, just began corresponding with my colleague and just a, another beautiful, unique mind, uh, Tara Vance. Tara is the founder of theaspergian.com. She's a founding writer. And on theaspergian.com are over 100 now uh, neurodivergent writers worldwide. These are some of the most prolific, engaging, amazing writers and minds. And uh, so I, had, I began this dialogue and discussion with Tara, and she broached the idea of me becoming the partner, a full partner with the Aspergian, with Life Guides for Autistics, NeuroGuides. And I was, I was going through the course of that discussion with Tara, and one day, uh, and so a little bit of background on her, she is a, a neuropsychiatry consultant for organizations, companies worldwide. Uh, she's a brilliant person, and uh, she is also autistic herself. So um, I'm having this conversation with Tara, and Tara gets really quiet with me. And I said, 
yes. And she said, David, I want to ask you a question. And I should have seen it coming because she is quite the diagnostician. And Tara says, I want to ask you a question. Here's my question. David, how long do you intend to go on pretending to be a neurotypical? And I said, oh no, 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 Tara, you've got this wrong. You see, I serve autistic adults in the United States and I began to give her my spiel, my elevator speech. And she said, no, no, no. She said, you're missing this. She said, well, let me ask you a question. When you meet autistic people, and heck yeah, I do this all, all the time. I met uh, two autistic people on a flight here yesterday and instantly connected with them on a very visceral, authentic, powerful way. She said, when you meet autistic people, she said, you are instantly connected with them. You have instant rapport. It's like you have been friends forever. And I said, see, that's my gift as a neurotypical to be able to do that. Isn't it amazing that I, as a neurotypical, could do that? And she just laughed, this big belly laugh, and she said, all right, I can see you're gonna be hard-headed about this. I'm going to get you to take one of three diagnostic tools, an instrument, to, uh, to show you and to demonstrate to you that you are on the spectrum. And so you know the one I'm talking about. It's the first one, it's the R-A-A-D-S. And so I took it, and of course, the first thing I did was say, well, look, all I have to do is get a 64 mean score or below, and that'll prove to the world that I am a neurotypical who has a huge heart for autistic people. So I scored 129, 64. And from that point, and now this is where also I wanna to speak to the audience and say, I, I do not in any way delineate or uh, compartmentalize anyone in any way that has not gone through a formal diagnostic. I think that we are all on a journey and I want to encourage everyone to ask these questions about yourself. Ask questions about how your mind is uniquely made. For my part, it is, as being the CEO of an of a organization serving autistic adults, I needed that just for my own, my own knowledge, my own knowing. And so I went to a neuropsychiatry group in Austin and uh, uh, they were so warm and so wonderful. And I took a stack of diagnostic tests that must have been a mile high. And at the end of it all, they said, David, you're on the spectrum and uh, we're excited about the work you're doing. And in fact, I'm now beginning to consult with that group. So, yes. My aha moment realizing that this should be by the self-advocates, it should be the, by the neurodivergent, came in about, I think it was 2015, I was given a, a keynote speech out at the um, USAAA, the United States Asperger's Autism, and, and uh, I was a keynote speaker with Temple Grandin, and my book was right next to her, so I was like, it's like meeting Mickey Mantle, you know what I mean? It's like, what am I doing here? It's like, you know, when I had my 26 pro heavyweight fights, when I used to get to spar with world champions, it was like, wow. So they have a speaker's reception. And after the reception, in a surrealistic moment, I end up sitting at the bar with Temple Grandin. And I asked Temple Grandin, would you mind speaking to my daughter, Rebecca, who's on the spectrum, who's the inspiration yes. for all this? And they had a 10 or 15 minute talk 
and they're just jabbering away and they're instantly connected. And I, I wrote an article about it for different brains that this is the league of champions that I'm not invited to. <laughs> I can't be, <laughs> I can't be there. Yes. I appreciate you saying that so much, Hacky. You know, Steve Silverman uh, said recently uh, about his book, Neurotribes, and he said to test everybody, calm down. He said, I'm as neurotypical as can be. I just have a passion for serving uh, you folks. He said, but this is about you. He said, I wrote Neurotribes as a rocket ship. I built that for you, for autistic advocates to take this neurodiversity, this, this, this understanding of how unique, unique minds work, to a whole different level. He said, I built that for you. So in essence, that's what I've been building too. I, I, I set out from the very start, even not knowing that I too was on the spectrum, I wanted to create something, and this gets a little bit to the nuts and bolts of what I do. I wanted to create a, an instrument, a tool. You know, we use the word uh, organization. We use all the big, the big structure words. That wasn't what I was trying to do, and it's not what I've done. I've created a very unique instrument because as I looked at the landscape of, of in this country especially, of where autistic persons are, uh, and I'm looking at outcomes for autistic persons, uh, I did a lot of research going into this. And what I discovered, and you know this too, the hard reality, the hard truth of the landscape for autistic persons in the United States is, as children diagnosed or not diagnosed, there are a lot of resources. Now, I, I'm not even going to get into it today talking about the validity, the effectiveness, uh, anything else about those, uh, those resources. But what I will say is there are a lot of things for children, for autistic children. So by the time they get to 19 20 years old, they're aging out out of everything. There is nothing left for them. And so autistic adults, uh, and I've worked with dozens and dozens of them myself personally, autistic, and seen this, autistic adults are facing uh, chronic anxiety, uh, very staggering rates of depression. Um, we know from, from the research we've done in the last three or four years, that they are somewhere between 80% and probably 90% unemployment rate, including soft, soft employment, which is bouncing from job to job to job. So we know that. And, and Hacky, this is the one that gets me up every single morning. This is the fuel that gets me out of bed every single morning of the day to do this. There is a, a suicide rate that's estimated to be nine times the national average for autistic adults. So autistic adults in the United States are shutting down, disappearing, and taking their lives in droves. And I refuse to let it happen. God bless you. Let me tell you something. We as a society... I agree 100% have inadvertently, and with all the best of intention, discriminated against adults. So we here at Different Brains, our internship is for 18 years old and above. Okay, that's what we do. And what I yes. want to do, I want to partner with as many organizations like yours who are professional and know what they're doing um, because you are 
the self-advocates, you and Marcy and all the people like my daughter, like so many others, yes. you know stuff we don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And you should be master of your own fate in many ways well, too. That doesn't mean we should we should discount everybody who's not blessed with a divergent neurodivergent brain, but all our brains are neurodivergent anyway, but that's a different discussion. Well, and that is you're absolutely right. And that is the core understanding behind neurodiversity. And I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question, but I'm gonna start big. I'm gonna start with the actual concept of neurodiversity. For some reason that has become very complicated, very, uh, very situational, there seems to be a lack of understanding about what we mean when we say neurodiversity. I, I call it myself, I call it true neurodiversity. I wanna, I wanna stand apart from all of the, um, the conflicting thoughts and the conflicting information. I wanna make it very easy for people. So first things first, no autistic person who thinks this thing through is saying we're not disabled, okay? It, it is a disability. In fact, I believe personally that it is a disability in particular because of a very misunderstanding, misaligned, misdirected, and miscommunicating culture. I see it every day. I see it again and again. When an autistic person walks in the door with a big smile and their resume under their arm and their head is full of dreams and they're they're ready and dedicated. They want to get that job. And they've got 10 times the gumption of that neurotypical person who kind of flits in. And they go in and they run into a workplace culture that from the very start, in its hiring practices, in its, in its processes, begins to crush them and crush them and crush them. Where's the disability? Where is it? Uh, and then you have uh, folks who have a lot of co-occurring uh, medical conditions. There are a lot. Uh, and you, have, you even have autistic people who are intellectually disabled, ID. Th there's those two. So it's, we see autism as an autistic person. We see autism as a disability, plain and simple. Now, here's where we really get going. Understanding that and understanding the, uh, the conflict we face with a culture and the misunderstanding culture I believe personally, this is David Hall's view of neuro, neurodiversity. I believe that all persons, regardless of the ordering of their bodies or their minds, are each, are each worthy of, of being seen as of great value, of infinite value, of be give, being given opportunities for work for service, for love, and for connection. Each of us, each of us, no matter where we are on the neurodiversity spectrum itself, whether we're neurotypical thinkers or whether we're neurodivergent autistic thinkers, all of us are worthy and all of us should be given value as fully human persons. I carry that every day, Hacky, every day. I believe that everyone deserves the opportunity to maximize their full potential. Our job as a society is give them that opportunity. Yes. They got to walk through the door. They got to yes. take the opportunity, whatever their abilities are, whatever their differences are. When you walk in this inclusive office for an internship, it's like, what do you like doing? What are you interested yes. in? But yes. it amazes me 
when I talk to a parent about their adult progeny, yes, and then I meet the individual themselves, it's like yes. two different people. So, Hacky, I love what you just said. I really appreciate what you just said because you're right. We're saying the same things. Um, so I want to I want to answer that, and then I want to dovetail with that back into your original question, which was give me some advice for what we're doing. So I tell people when I meet with parents all the time. Now there are occasions when I start to work with an autistic adult uh, when that's not the case. So let me just talk. Let me talk about something that occurred yesterday at an airport. So I'm sitting down and I, I met a, a lovely group of young people from Austin. They were traveling, had this great conversation. And when they asked me what I did, I told them, well, I have this unique organization that uh, works with, serves autistic adults, uh, socially, occupationally, relationally. Uh, we engage, we equip, and we encourage people. And they said, that's very unique. I've never heard anything like that. And you do that one-on-one -on -one with folks. I said, yes. And sitting two seats down from me in the airport, this woman looks up and she's looking at me kind of first out of the side of her eye and she's watching me. And then I'm speaking and I got to this point where I, I paused for a minute and she said, I'm so sorry, I have to interrupt you. She said, I, I've been listening to what you're saying. And I said, that's fine. She said, I'm the parent of an autistic young woman and she is just about to leave high school. And, um, what you're saying is uh, opening my mind, just listening to you speak. And she said, can you tell me more about what you did? So fast forwarding, the, the young woman comes and sits down and she's got her, uh, she's got her uh, uh, iPhone smart device in front of her and she's working on some kind of uh, something or other and she's very intent at it. And uh, I told the parents, they said, well, we're just frustrated. I mean, the dad's an engineer and the mom is taught right. And we're just frustrated because we don't know what to do. And I said, it's okay. Um, and I start, I gave them a little bit more and they said, they said, well, again, we're so frustrated. And I said, listen, I said, first of all, I said, you have to forgive yourselves and just find peace with this. I said, this is not about you. I said, you love your daughter. You are looking for opportunities. The universe providentially just introduced us. I said, so these are good things. But I said, I struggle as a parent of three autistic children myself. I said, the magic of what I do is when I can work with someone else's kids. I said, or, or, or young adults. I said, because I don't have to deal with a lot of the social structure, the family structure that you do. Uh, I can come at this with a whole different perspective and a whole different set of eyes. So keep in mind, the young lady is sitting across from me in the airport. She looks up over her, uh, her device and she looks at me and I look at her and we lock eyes and for about 10 seconds, thousands of things are communicated. And she puts that down and she gets this little smile and she said, well, let's talk a little bit. And I said, let's do that. So we started this talk and I found out she's interested in impromptu theater. She's an artist. All these things are starting to flow out. And the parents are watching me and thinking, what are we seeing here? This guy is not a therapist. He's not a trained, he's, he's just, he's like she is. And he's talking in a way to her. Uh, and by the way, I, everything I do is strengths-based. 
everything I do is strengths based. I'm looking, searching like a, I'm like a detective looking for strengths, looking for points of engagement. And so I, in a few minutes time, I'm finding that with this young woman. So uh, long story short is uh, it looks like I'm going to be working with her from that uh, little dialogue in the airport. So, yes. How very cool. How cool. Yes. Well, what we're trying to do here is all of our media is produced by our wonderfully neurodivergent interns who come and go and go on to bigger and better things. And some of them are going to school. Uh, Some of them have big, big ideas. Um, Michael, who's doing the audio on this right now, he's... uh, he wants to be the next Elon Musk, you know, and uh, he's, yes. why not? Give it a shot. Right, Michael? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Well, let me encourage you. Yes, and let me t- here's here's my advice piece with what you're doing. What you're doing is amazing, Hacky and Michael and all of you guys over there. What you're doing is amazing. Um, the culture cannot help itself. And I mean that. I've seen this demonstrated hundreds of times. Parents, well-meaning parents, loving parents, think that they need to uh, kind of lead the way, wrangle their their son or daughter into into social situations, into uh, even relational situations, and certainly into occupation job situations. They feel like they just have to wrangle them in. And what happens is uh, with autistic persons, and Hacky, you mentioned this yourself, when you see them just sort of shut down, they wall off, is when the parent comes in, even well-meaning, loving parents, and I've seen so many of these uh, autistic social groups, I see them pop up on you know, Facebook or Meetup or whatever, they pop up, and the first thing you see, see is it's organized by these adults, these parents. And so what they do is they hustle their kids in, they sit them down, and they say, okay, Billy, now we're going to do this. And by the way, Billy probably speaks Russian and German and is also working on something else. Okay, here's what we're going to do now. We're going to all do this thing. Let's get our crayons or whatever. And it becomes, uh, it's repressive. Autistic persons don't want that. They, they want to avoid that. They want to be known. Uh, going back to Steve's book, they're looking for their neuro tribe. They want to be known and valued. And so in the social things that I've done, I have freed myself from parental oversight. I come in just on the outside, get them together and going, and then I'm out of there. I step out of the picture. So what you're doing, and this is my advice, is do more of that. Anytime you can take yourself out of the picture, anytime you can put the autistic persons you serve, these neurodivergent persons at the forefront and give them the ability to lead and grow, take every opportunity you can to do that and see that happen. Because you will be rewarded and you're gonna get to see, Hack, you're gonna get to see this brainchild of yours, these different minds flourish and grow. You know, the, the, the gardener doesn't stand over the plants. He fertilizes and he just watches this stuff goes. Every now and then comes and picks a few weeds out. But flourish, grow, nurture, that's the way to go. Well, on that note, we're going to have you come back for sure, but I'm going to end today here because that's on that very positive note, uh, as we all strive to have everyone maximize their full potential with the gifts that they have. You know? yes. And we're all different. All different. Thank you for uh, having me here today. I, I so appreciate it. And I, 
I think very highly of you, and I look forward to that good synergy and to building one another up for the work we do. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains, Inc. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.org.